The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Any guesses as to who the largest private landowner in New York City is? Who do you think? J.P. Morgan Chase, CVS... I don't know, some big office building, some sort of big real estate conglomerate. Well, if you guessed any of those or anything like it, you would be wrong. A fascinating article that I read over the weekend that the largest private landowner in New York City is actually, wait for it, Columbia University. Outstanding reporting in Columbia Daily Spectator by Amira McKee and uh, some other folks that I think contributed to this article as well. They did an analysis of publicly available accounting and reporting at Columbia and they found documents that under 184 pseudonyms, Columbia University has property claims on at least 383 distinct addresses. Well, why are we talking about this? Well, because if you have a house like I have a house, if you have any land in New York City or New York State, chances are you're paying a pretty decent penny in property taxes. Do you know how much Columbia and NYU and other big universities that are just gobbling up land are paying? Zero. Zero. Universities in New York are exempt from paying property taxes. Now, they are using city services and state services just as much as everyone else is. If Columbia has the money, and they do, we see this with their endowment, we see this with what they're charging in tuition. If Columbia has the money to just gobble up land and more land and more land year after year, make these colleges pay their fair share. I don't see any reason why these massive colleges and universities should be paying nothing in property taxes when you and me and other people that are firmly implanted in the middle class are paying more than our fair share. This ought to change. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Mayor Eric Adams hasn't quite sounded this week like someone who brands himself as the Biden of Brooklyn. Now, since his election in 2021, Adams has taken great care to foster a relationship with President Biden, who shares many of the same views, at least he used to, that Adams has. And after first meeting with the president almost two years ago, Adams said they became fast friends. And since then, even as an influx of asylum seekers strained the city's social safety net to the breaking point, Adams refused to call out the commander-in-chief by name, taking care to cast blame more broadly across both the executive and legislative branches for not coming up with a national solution to the problem. And the White House has returned the favor. They tapped the mayor as one of more than 20 Democrats who were going to serve as Biden surrogates ahead of the 2024 election. Well, a couple of days ago, something changed. There was a press briefing on Wednesday focused on the migrant crisis, and Adam said, in no uncertain terms, the president and the White House have failed New York City on this issue. Then, Come Friday, Adams travels to Washington to meet with a cadre of federal officials. Here's a bit of what he said on Friday. 
Our national government has abandoned this city and the actions or inaction can undermine our entire city. The president and the White House has failed New York City on this issue. And ahead of that discussion, the mayor didn't seem eager to tamp down his tone about the crisis, which has brought more than 53,000 asylum seekers to the five boroughs over the past year and is expected to cost the city $4.3 billion through this budget cycle and the next. And basically, he says that absent the influx of asylum seekers, New York would probably be witnessing one of the greatest fiscal turnarounds after the pandemic. He then added the city is being destroyed at a roundtable with the other black mayors in D.C. on Friday. I think Adams is kind of plainly speaking what a lot of us have seen for a while. I think he's also maybe looking for a bit of a scapegoat here to explain why he hasn't had the kind of incredible New York miracle that I think he was hoping to have. We'll see where it goes. I'm curious if this tone shift continues. Beam me up. To be continued. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. The other side of midnight. Local spotlight. You remember Chris Christie? He was a mediocre governor of New Jersey. He did some interesting things in his first term. But by and large, I think he was a disaster. Now, in Jersey, all the governors are sort of a disaster. It's just sort of a measuring of the magnitude of who the biggest disasters are. That being said, he in my view, has not done himself any favors since uh, leaving the governor's mansion in terms of rehabilitating his reputation. He essentially was the first person to embrace Donald Trump, and then he was the first person to denounce Donald Trump. He is someone that is a total political opportunist, as far as I can tell. And it looks now... Like he is moving towards a presidential bid. So the conventional wisdom in GOP circles, even among high profile Trump critics, has been that if you want to beat Trump for president, you have to market yourself as Trump without the drama, which means not criticizing him directly. That's what Nikki Haley has done. That's what Tim Scott has done. That's what Mike Pence is doing. That's what DeSantis in his pseudo campaign is doing. Well, enter Chris Christie, who is pursuing a very different tack, the two term former Jersey governor says that's all bull and is now considering taking on the former president himself. And this week uh, he did an interview with Politico and they pressed him on how a Republican can beat Trump while going after a man many GOP voters idolize. And the most striking part of the conversation centered on Christie's own deliberations about whether to run. Basically, it sounds like he's pretty much made up his mind. He just can't determine if he can win. Now, I'm all for more voices and more choices. If he wants to run, he should run. I'm all for everybody running. That being said, is there anybody in the state of New Jersey or even around the country that is itching for Chris Christie to get back into national politics. 
I don't think there's a long line of would-be Christie donors and voters waiting in the wings. Maybe that's just me. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. So I've been listening to these regular appearances that Andrew Cuomo has made on our station and other places as well, not just our station. And Melissa DeRosa, who's still very close to the former governor, who was his top deputy, and uh, now she's just written a book. And I've been listening to the two of them pontificate about crime and what a terrible job Kathy Hochul, who was handpicked by Governor Cuomo, by the way, what a terrible job Kathy Hochul is doing and taxes and cost of living and how the party is going too far to the left. And I listen to all these interviews that they do, and I think, my goodness, what planet am I on? You are part of the problem here. You put bail reform in the budget. And I was so glad to hear Governor Pataki when he was on Katz and Cosby Thursday night and they had Melissa DeRosa on as a guest. He basically called her out on her, called her out on this right to her face. And good for him, for Governor Pataki. But every time I hear this man talk, I regret not voting for him because the guy is so brilliant and so plain spoken, so honest and so smart, quite frankly, that I just really, it makes you appreciate when we had someone like that as governor, which we certainly don't now. Listen to Governor Pataki in this interview with Melissa DeRosa. To me, it's pretty simple, and it's, but I have to say it's galling to hear Governor Cuomo talking about we need tougher criminal justice laws and tax cuts. When he put the no-bail law in his budget so the legislature had no choice to change it, and he put in place temporary taxes that are still in place today. Now, that's only just a small portion of the interview. I would encourage you to go back and listen to the whole interview. It was on Thursday mornings, uh, Thursday evenings show, Cats and Cosby. Go to WABCRadio.com. You can check out the podcast there. Well done. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. He did not pull any punches. And good for you, Governor. I think we may try and talk with the Governor this week on the radio. We just have to persuade him to stay up late. Beam me up. To be continued.